Come, come, we're tied, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Dutch for cucumber time. Oh, man, when is it never cucumber time, am I right? Uh, cucumber time <laughs> means a quiet summer period when nothing happens. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Is that like, is that like cucumbers in the eyes? You know, you're sort of at a, at a day spa, oh, relaxing. I, like I think it's it more like- of a farmer thing growing cucumbers like in the Maybe. summer there's nothing else to grow so you just got to make those cucumbers yeah i i chose it because we just got back from the summer break and also we watched this race and also zandvoort is coming up so i figured nothing happening was a good way to go is it a sex thing drew uh you know what danny what you get up to in your own time is uh your business <laughs> you know uh, Andrew cats are sc- <laughs> You know, cats That's are scared. Dwyer. It's cucumbers. You ever put cucumber behind a cat? They think it's a snake. Great time. Hey, I'm Danny. Uh, Rob Zachney is on assignment. Uh, welcome to Shift F1, the, the podcast about speedy race cars. If you're new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you're new to Formula One itself, we've got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer assumes no F1 knowledge uh, and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 178. Also, this show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you'd like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1, or click the link in the show notes. What has been going on over in Patreon land this month, Danny. Uh, we just uh, published our exclusive Patreon exclusive podcast for August, which it is of time of recording, but may not be once this goes live. Um, and it was the 1971 classic uh, Le Mans. Le is Mans. It? Le Mans. It's classic. Is it a classic? It, classic can mean it's old, and it's old. It's a classic movie <laughs> if you like watching a is lot Is it of- a movie? It's a I that now that's the question. Is it a movie? <laughs> is it a movie? Is it a documentary? Is it a just a collection of B-roll that they decided <laughs> to insert Steve McQueen into and sort of try and make a movie? Um it's a weird thing. I'm very glad I watched it and we had a lot of interesting chat about it. So there's that. I feel like that's the way the Patreon podcasts go, though, is that like Formula One documentaries is they're just a minefield of of like of interesting stories and crap of badly made or like low production or well, they're or all in this, interesting i think is exactly in, I think in one way or another you can tell the people who are making them for good or ill really wants to make them like they're all passion yes. projects so that's a really good point <laughs> so i think that's why they're always interesting and now we have god how many of uh, who, who knows anyway if you sign up as a patron you can listen to us talk about formula one movies and documentaries and le mans and all that stuff for until the end of time probably at this stage we've done so many of them um and a massive thanks to all of our incredible title sponsors everyone wants to be like mike team blackjack michael maves gordy's army at talking autos tanner mcclave olivia evans pyrites card castle erica siegel iron station studios al mccrary telemetry deck.com gnarly goat david mule drew stewart bailey foot abdullah althani those knuckleheads just at that bar hanging out love those love that crew that's the og crew uh the title sponsor now known as jack chadwick abraham getchell octothorpe they're just octothorpe this week wow yeah they, the they've given up their life of bunny crimes <laughs> exactly sniggs alex cliche max Voltar, circuit demon troy stammer umberto roca william romf irvine clinical research <laughs> wiley albatong Still endangered, and Jason Kelly. Thank you all so much. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, we've got a lot to get to this week because we have a race recap to do, and then a pre-race to do, because we've got uh, the the second in our triple header coming up this weekend. Yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a, tri- it's a triple header, and then uh, and then a gap because uh, Sochi got cancelled. So. Oh. It's a triple header, and then three and a three bad. week wait until <laughs> until uh, Singapore after Monza. So, yeah, lots to talk about, and and Spa, of course, which we got to go back to, which was awesome. Yes, and we actually got a race this time. Uh, 
as it as it was. Um, well, <laughs> I guess I'll start with watching qualifying here because it was little a little weird because we knew that tons of people were going to get penalties for power unit changes. This was so, so strange. I I knew some were. I didn't know almost everyone was. Where you had a scenario where he would like people who didn't make it out of Q1 were suddenly in the top 10. Yes. Um, so let's see. I think it's 12 people started <laughs> without penalties. What a uh, day. Mick Schumacher no. must have been laughing. <laughs> the, right. The one who started on pole position was Carlos Sainz. He uh, is the only one in the top 10 starting on soft tires. Uh, he had a sketchy final lap in Q3 and qualified in second place, but moved up to pole uh, with Verstappen's engine penalty. Uh, behind him, Sergio Perez in second, then Fernando Alonso in third, Lewis Hamilton fourth, George Russell fifth, and Alex Albon in his Williams in uh, sixth place. He qualified ninth. Yes, he did. He is one of the on merit, uh, you know, uh, good jobs here. Every every driver is at least one place away from where they qualified, and some of them a lot right. more. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo in seventh. Then we've got, um, well, Pierre Gasly would have been eighth, but there a late, a late uh, uh, power unit change caused mm. him to start from the pit lane. Um, or at least it was a it was a change under Park Ferme conditions, Ferme. which means that you have to to start in the pit lane. Um, Lance Stroll in ninth, Sebastian Vettel in tenth, Nicholas Latifi in eleventh, Magnussen in twelfth, Valtteri Bottas, the first of the penalized folks, uh, broke his years long streak of making it out of Q one. So bummer for him, uh, but way to go. Heck of a streak. Uh, Max Verstappen will start 14th. Uh, and so we'll, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Charlotte Claire will be in 15th. They both have soft tires on as well. Uh, so does Valtteri. Uh, and then in 16th, we've got Esteban Ocon, Lando Norris, Joe Guan Yu, Mick Schumacher, Yuki Tsunoda, and then Pierre Gasly. Mm. Uh, also in the pit lane with Tsunoda. So a scrambled grid, Danny, should be interesting. Yeah, and, and a lot of folks were wearing softs to sort of take advantage of those early overtaking moments here at Spa because it, it, it's one of those circuits where in, in maybe in any other year, I'm not sure if the new regs are making that much of a difference, but because the laps are long, it means that if you're only able to overtake in certain spots, you have fewer chances to do it. Um, so I think a lot of the uh, those drivers were trying to make sure that they got a jump on those around them, that they made as many places as possible, because ultimately this was one of those races where you were lo- lo- you were expecting to see Max Verstappen charge his way through the pack, and probably expecting to see Charles do it too. But as we've seen from the past, you know, half a season, most likely at a slower clip because it just does not have the overtaking prowess of the Red Bull uh, currently. Um, But yeah, the start was an interesting one, mostly for one Sergio Perez, who is in second place as the lights go out. Um, He moves over to his right, basically to cover off Alonso. Um, But Alonso has a great start. Uh, And in so doing, Perez slightly opens the door for Hamilton. So then he sort of like attempts to maybe close off Hamilton and then while he's doing that they're sort of coming down to turn one which everyone took way more conservatively than usual because there's a massive gravel trap now on the outside of that <laughs> turn and no one wants to get beached right away but as he does that uh Georgie Russell decides to sneak up the inside with a terrific late break um a late break that we have seen many a driver in years past mess up and take out a chunk of the field that's um, right so by the time they've turned the first turn, Perez has lost three places um, as they sort of edge up uh, towards Eau Rouge and Radion and its new uh, um, runoff areas, uh, if the, the corner itself has not changed much, slash if at all. Um, and then later in the lap, we have uh, a, a piece of contact as, as Hamilton is attempting to sort of make his way past uh, Alonso, his old teammate, which I believe he ended up taking the blame for is that right uh yes so he he dives way deep on the outside of uh, uh what is that lacombe at the end of the Kemmel straight yes um and basically tries to cut alonzo off but alonzo doesn't have anywhere to go and hamilton's rear right hits alonzo's front left 
vaulting Hamilton into the air. Uh, he comes down hard on the runoff and stops a few corners later, uh, ending his race. Yeah, uh, it, big it shame. Is... Yeah, go ahead. Alonso was saying, um, this guy only knows how to race in first. <laughs> From the front, he doesn't know how to overtake. It was it was a kind of... Per- we, have, we have sort of called these moments Perez-style moments, early overtaking opportunities that end in calamity where maybe you don't need to do it so quick. Um, surprised to see Hamilton do it, honestly, but then again, this season is a bit of a, I don't know, an uncomfortable pair of shoes for him so far, so I guess maybe it was part of the playbook. Um, yeah, big shame to do it, uh, waste in a, in a in a race where, you know, Mercedes were off the pace all weekend. There, there was sort of a lot of worry from that camp based on their performance in in practice and uh they had done well in qualifying and obviously the you know a lot of that was people who were out of position taking those penalties but there were points on the board today so i think hamilton did wrong by the team this weekend which is not something you can often say about him yeah the the stewards um said no further um penalties probably because he was out of the race (laughs) <laughs> yeah that and and i think they kind of chalked it up to a, a first lap incident as well mm, yeah i guess um but yeah not uh not the maybe not the smartest move we see hamilton make um lap two we get another incident in the midfield when latifi goes way wide into the gravel spins uh back across the track and then tags botas who is trying to avoid him uh it's not a hard hit but botas does get beached and is also out of the race latifi however continues on (laughs) i thought that was so unfair the f1 gods are cruel um yeah yeah this was this was just bad driving on nicholas latifi's part he got forced out wide and ended up really going on the the gravel and it does happen in early laps here uh on the first lap it happened to lance uh, lawrence sorry lance stroll um who almost lost it and did a fantastic job keeping his car on the track actually um latifi for his sins Obviously, taps Botas, who was attempting to get around him. Um, and yeah, just a real good case of what it looks like when you stop on gravel and grass. Latifi was able to spin around and get back on the track, and Botas had no chance. Um, yeah, disappointing for him. He was, uh, he was a passenger, and largely because of his uh, track position, that one. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the downside of gravel, right? It means that, that cars go out instead of uh, rejoining, um, I guess, at the back. But... Uh, such as life, such as Formula One. Uh, we get a safety car for that incident, and Leclerc is the only one to pit, yeah. having made it up to ninth. But uh, he started losing ground after he saw smoke coming from his right front. Uh, during the pit, the mechanics removed a visor tear-off, those little strips of plastic that drivers can uh, remove from their helmets. They've got, like, I don't know, 10 of them stacked on top of each other. Yeah, you know, because there's like, there's dust like and iPhone. oil and stuff. It's like iPhone covers. Um, imagine, imagine you're just habitually scratching your phone cover, your phone screen, so you keep tearing off, so you've got a fresh screen every now or and it's again. Like new electronics, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You take that sticker off. So yeah, that's, I love that that's part. Static. You pull off your new television. Um, this is becoming a a bit of an issue this is not the first time this has happened it happened in practice i think this past weekend too um the tear-offs i don't know if this is anything to do with the different wash that's coming off the back of these cars maybe in the past it just got flung and flung into oblivion when you got it has happened before before these regs but it was i guess it was more rare i remember they uh they instructed them for a little while to like put the tear-offs or i think maybe it was just kimmy that like You're his right. own tear off got stuck in a uh, in a, a, also a brake duct, and they said just stash it in your cockpit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that that uh, caused the smoking and uh, led to some poor performance. It also damaged a sensor, which will come back to haunt Leclerc later oh. in this race. Um, and what follows is basically the Verstappen show. He yeah. makes it up from 14th to 8th on the first lap uh, and then goes from 8th to 3rd in six more laps, passing Ricardo and Vettel into the bus stop chicane and Alonso and Russell on the Kemmel straight with DRS, making it look easy. Uh, lap 12 
Sainz pits from first, goes from soft tires to medium, and rejoins in fifth. And at about the same time, Verstappen passes his teammate Sergio Perez for the lead of the race. And Verstappen's pace is such that he doesn't have to cover off Sainz's pit stop. Uh, he goes longer and pits on lap 16, coming out behind uh, Carlos Sainz. Uh, meanwhile, Leclerc has been recovering well from his early pit stop having made it up to fourth by this stage. Uh, but Russell had pitted a few laps earlier and with some newer medium tires, manages to close up to Leclerc on the Kemmel straight and overtake Leclerc uh, on the inside as they come down into Lacombe. Pretty good move. Yeah. It, it became um, that type of race, though, where it was like there is the odd, over, the odd inevitable overtake. You know what I mean? Like you could, There wasn't a lot of like crazy mid-fight mid-pack fighting um there was a couple of bits and bobs here and there but it was very much like the i don't know it felt early that red bull had this wrapped up like they were just on a different level pace wise it's it's lap lap 18 and verstappen absolutely flying passes signs with ease around the outside at lacombe for first place uh and then a few laps later perez gets signs at the same place for second so it's just it's um, red bull is just running away with it uh, and you're right, kind of nothing happens from then on. There is a fun moment at lap 35 when Fettel sets up Gasly for a cutback at turn one, <laughs> yeah. uh, gets by him into Eau Rouge, but then gets swamped on the Camel Straight by Gasly and Esteban Ocon, who was behind Gasly, but then sweeps around both of them, taking two cars in one corner into Lacombe. Uh It's a pretty great move because Ocon has to break pretty late on the outside, but he seals it. Um, and, uh, the the second time he did it during the race, he did it also on the, uh, penultimate turn, um, earlier as well. So mm -hmm. two, maybe the two best overtakes of the race done by Esteban Ocon, who was getting it right up there into the points and past Gasly as well, which is good. I think somebody he's often compared to, especially this season. Um, Gasly did make it past Vettel as well. I think, did he? Yes. Later in that lap. Yeah. So yeah, that's how it shook out. But kind of the next interesting thing that happens, maybe the last interesting thing, is that Ferrari decides to pit Leclerc on the penultimate oh lap. <laughs> wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. In, just in case the sort of the Ferrari strategist, uh, um, oh. uh, Lin, you know, mob didn't uh, didn't have any more you know any more things to complain about. Yeah, they they pitted him, and then he basically came out in in the jaws of Fernando Alonso. Yeah, so he he had a gap to 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 pit out and come in the same position he pitted from uh, so that he can get new tires and go for the fastest lap. But he, you're right. Alonso is right behind him when he comes out of the pit and overtakes Leclerc on the Kemble straight uh, with what you know, with one lap to go. Thankfully we do get like a picture in picture of this battle uh, while Verstappen is, you know, cruising to victory and Leclerc does indeed get the place back on the final lap uh, in the DRS zone. And while it seemed that Ferrari had narrowly escaped another comedy of errors, as the victory lane celebrations are happening, we hear that Leclerc has been given a five-second time penalty for speeding in the pit lane during his last stop, dropping him behind Alonso into sixth place. Yikes. I know. So, out, of, out of the frying... It's like, it's like snatching defeat from the jaws of victory from the jaws of defeat <laughs> it was a like a real roller coaster final lap for ferrari fans ultimately you know for the difference of two points uh between fifth and sixth but um you know that's how championships are won sometimes maybe not this year because they're you know so off the pace uh, as it happens uh yeah another dominant uh, red bull performance never looked in uh in danger he also did not get the fastest lap. No, that went he, too was, <laughs> he was too busy trying to overtake Alonso on the Kevin straight. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So apparently the, the sensor that was damaged in the brake duct by the tear off uh, was used in part to measure speed. And Ferrari blames this for Leclerc's excess speed in the pit lane, which, as the FIA pointed out, was only one kilometer an hour over the limit. Mm. Uh, Leclerc, however, accepted responsibility himself saying in this quote from race fans, no, the penalty is my fault, nothing to do with the team. 
uh, agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> Max Verstappen wins the Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, Sergio Perez in second, Red Bull 1-2. Uh, and Carlos Sainz, uh, really kind of a... <laughs> Uh, sounded like it was a bummer to him uh, on the radio uh, after the, after the race to be uh, to be in third, and uh, who can who can argue? You know, you mm. you start pole position, you pull away, uh, you don't have any missteps, and you get passed by two cars. You know, mm. um, so uh, yeah, completely understandable. George Russell comes home in uh, fourth. His streak of Top five finishes in 2022 continues. Amazing. Uh, Fernando Alonso in fifth. Charles Leclerc in sixth. Esteban Ocon in seventh. Sebastian Vettel in eighth. Pierre Gasly in ninth place. Points in his 100th Grand Prix after oh, yeah. starting from the pit lane. Nice Way to go, work. Pierre. Also, 100 uh, Grand Prix. Yeah, it just shows you, doesn't it? I, I still think of some of these guys as rookies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, yeah. not at all. Uh, Alex Albon in tenth. Getting more points for Williams. Way to go, Alex. Uh, Behind him, we've got Lance Stroll, Lando Norris, Yuki Tsunoda, Zhou Guanyu, Daniel Ricciardo in 15th. By the way, I I don't know if you saw this, Danny, but apparently McLaren had a problem with their rear wing and had to replace it before the race uh, with an older spec so that they chalked Daniel's uh, performance to, to that. Mm. um in part i guess uh 16th is kevin magnuson then we've got mick schumacher nicholas latifi and the dnfs of valtteri botas and lewis hamilton and that's the belgian grand prix uh full disclosure i fell asleep during this race i also fell asleep during this race (laughs) um i fell asleep at about lap uh 25 or something and then was like, uh, woke up at the end and was like, oh, nothing changed. And then went back and watched the uh, <laughs> whatever, 20 or so labs I missed and nothing indeed changed. So it was a, a, a tactical sleep, I think. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, in the Pantheon of Spa races, this was a bit of a bit of a wet blanket. Um, good to go back to the stadium or the circuit rather, you know, we'll cover it in the news. Good to know we're going back next year at least. Um yeah, not all of them are are killers, you know. Um, yeah, so there you go. Spa, we move on. Sandvort. There you go. Let's run down the driver standings. Max Verstappen still on top with 284 points. Now Sergio Perez in second with 191. Ooh. Charles Leclerc is in third with 186. Uh, Carlos Sainz, his teammate, in fourth with 171. That's getting closer and closer. Uh, George Russell is in fifth with 170. Wow, one point behind signs. Uh, Lewis Hamilton in sixth with 146. Lando Norris in seventh with 76 points. Then we've got Esteban Ocon with 64. Fernando Alonso with 51. Valtteri Botas in 10th with 46. Uh, that's impressive. Mm. Uh, Kevin Magnussen in 11th with 22. Sebastian Vettel's got 20. Daniel Ricciardo has 19. Pierre Gasly has 18. That is a close battle. Uh, Mick Schumacher in 15th with 12 points. Yuki Tsunoda's got 11 uh, Joe Guan Yu has five. Alex Albon and Lance Stroll are now tied with four. And then Nicholas Latifi and Nico Hulkenberg bringing up the rear with zero. Zero. In the constructor standings, Red Bull Racing is on top with 475 points to Ferrari's 357. Uh, Mercedes is in a solid third with 316. Alpine's in a solid fourth with 115. Then we've got McLaren with 95. Alfa Romeo with 51. Uh, Gene Haas and team have 34 points. Alfa Tauri's got 29. Aston Martin has 24. And Williams has four. Hmm. Good job, Albon. Yeah. Four is not zero. He's carrying that team. It's their, that's their motto. Four is not zero. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of drivers... That's it. Well, the, uh, you're, segu- you're segueing to yourself, Drew, so you can I am. do this however you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, little update on the driver market here. Um, this is maybe the most update without an update that we've yes. <laughs> we've seen in a while, and also uh, a late a late breaking update because much of this happened immediately after we posted last week's episode. Well, yes. <laughs> um. 
So, uh, just to reset here, uh, uh, let's see, where are we? Um, Fernando <laughs> Alonso is moving to from Alpine to Aston Martin because Sebastian hmm. Vettel is retiring. And uh, Alpine thought they were getting their reserve driver, the Formula 2 star Oscar Piastri, uh, to sit in that second Alpine seat. But he said, no, I'm not going. I he will not be racing for out you. Of the, out of the pram and said, no. That's right. McLaren is my new mom. <laughs> uh, he hasn't said that yet, but that is heavily the rumor. And it yeah. got even stronger because uh, Daniel Ricciardo announced on Twitter uh, that he and McLaren are parting ways after this season. By mutual uh, consent, wink, wink. Yeah, he doesn't look super mutual about it. Uh, no, I mean... Some of yeah. the most despondent Ricardo I've seen. Um, the, he's just kind of running out of rope here. He's, just, You know what I mean? Like, he's just does not... The, 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 there were sort of lateral moves available to him in the past, and now there are not. There are only, I would say, moves downward. You could argue well, his first move from Red Bull was downward, but well, sure. Alpine might honestly be a move up if he actually gets that seat. It would be going back to that team that he uh, that he left. So he'd be like, "Where's Cyril? I miss my I miss my old mate, <laughs> mate Cyril. Where's he? Oh, oh." But the next thing that happens here uh, is likely going to be some kind of ruling from the contract recognition. Why couldn't I read that word? The contract recognition board. That sounds fun. Uh, I bet their Christmas parties are a laugh. Oh, yeah. So, okay. I I haven't had to... We haven't had to dive into this uh, (laughs) in a while because we haven't had a big contract dispute in a while in formula one. Um, mostly because of the way that, uh, these rules have been written. So the, the Concord agreement, Mm. which is different from the FIA sporting regulations. So the sporting regulations govern how, you know, uh, the rules of the sport work, how penalties get applied and stuff. The Concord agreement is an agreement by all the teams and the sport to be like, here's, how we're all going to behave and uh, how we're going to make decisions. Um, the the contract uh, recognition board is a part of the Concord agreement. So uh, that also means that its exact rules are hidden, um, but they have all been agreed to by the teams. And this is basically uh, where Oscar Piastri sits now. So the the CRB, as it's known, will rule... Um, either in favor of Piastri or uh, of Alpine. If it rules in favor of Alpine, <clears throat> that it, they can't necessarily compel him to race for Alpine, but in effect, uh, Alpine may have to sell him to McLaren or something. Mm. Um, so that's where that is. We haven't had a, a, an update on their ruling yet. Uh, and that, of course, leaves a lot of things up in the air. Uh, notably who will fill that seat. And the the current rumor, the most recent rumor, is that Alpine is eyeing Pierre Gasly um, to move from Alpha Tauri uh, into Alpine. That'll be a good move for him because he's kind (laughs) of in a walled garden over there. You know what I mean? Like the the step up's not there. Yeah. I mean, he he can't go to... (laughs) <laughs> he's i think they've made it clear that red bull um has made it clear that pierre gasly is not moving up to uh the big team after he uh failed to live up to their expectations when he was there last so going somewhere else seems like uh, maybe a good call um but the big surprise to me was that the the follow-on rumor to this is that to fill that alpha towery seat they are apparently investigating IndyCar star Colton Herta, hmm. uh, which is uh, doubly interesting because he uh, is racing for Andretti, which has um, uh, and and has a McLaren contract. These days, I just I don't I I don't know what contracts are worth anything. <laughs> we have right. 
Mick Schumacher. But you do the, know that Zach Brown is involved somehow with everyone. Oh, well, he's just like the... He's like the, you know, the key party. He he owns the house. He owns the bowl that the keys are in. So ultimately, you know, it's all up to him. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll see how that one shakes out. I guess. I mean, this is we're we're firmly in the the silly season, as it were. Um, this is like the silly right post season. This this is like we're we're in like silly season. You can often sort of. Um, you kind of know which are le- which lemons are in the lemon dance. Whereas this year, it just seems like we can pull people out of other um, racing, uh, ad, uh, you know, divisions or whatever. And also that like people like Daniel Ricciardo might be on the chopping block, which, you know, there's an argument for. I, I, I think that psychology around Daniel Ricciardo is very interesting where we do see him probably because of his early stint at Red Bull and, and you know, him putting Max up against it uh, from time to time um, as perhaps maybe a more dominant force within the sport than he sort of is um, you know just his stature and his nature as well I think he exudes confidence yeah um, I saw but, Horner saying like you know uh, Daniel is he's not he's not showing what he's capable of right now like it was it was a um, uh, it's also easy, easy for Horner to say right it's like when he was with us he was doing his he was doing his best he was living to his potential and now with all these sure. scrub teams he can't you know i he was trying knows. to say that like he's daniel's better than this but yeah yeah it's um, it's funny cause just when you were talking about the whole you know driving around a couple what was it you were saying ferrari uh carlos Sainz, right for instance in third position driving a great race but ultimately becoming third that was max verstappen for like four years <laughs> right at red bull behind the mercedes team and i think but prior to that i think we forget how dominant that car was as well for many many years so um when vettel was there of course uh so yeah i don't know i don't know we one day we'll have the postmortem on Daniel ricardo's career hopefully not now but it is an interesting one yes and even more wrinkles uh added to this uh, just today, Mick Schumacher has cut ties with Ferrari, uh, or will do so at the end of the 2021 season. So he uh, was part of the Ferrari Young Driver program, um, and uh, you know had is you know these driver programs are they work in mysterious ways. I would really love to talk to a driver and be like, all right, what's up with these programs? <laughs> um, but he, you know, it's a it's a sort of contract. Uh, but he is he is no longer part of the Ferrari group, um, so he'll effectively be a free agent uh, for for next year. So question marks abound uh, around yeah. him too. Uh, I imagine this is because uh, you know Ferrari doesn't exactly have any seats open, um, and he would want to be able to take. Uh, you know, the call up from any other team. Um, but yeah, it, it, could we could we see him in the Alpine? Who knows? Yeah, lots of question marks about his future whole cloth, obviously. Um, yeah, and like I said last week, I think there's probably few drivers on the grid that have as much goodwill behind them. Um, but it's tricky. It's the same with Sonoda and with, uh, with Jogon Yu, where... You get a couple of seasons, and if you don't start producing tasty fruit, then suddenly uh, there's a lot of people snapping at your heels, other other drivers coming up. So, um, yeah, interesting time for, for Mick as well as we continue into silly season. Yes, well, uh, we've talked about drivers. Now let's talk about teams and brands, Danny. Yeah, let's, let's call some brandalism over here. Um, some uh, clarification, I guess, on, on some stuff and some uh, <laughs> lack of clarification, actually. On, yeah, on I mean, this was all parts. we talked about the rumors last week. Yeah, so Audi and Porsche, uh, you know, have been sort of on the tip of everyone's tongue there for a couple of weeks. Um, Rob's been doing great work sort of filling us in on what's been going on. Um, we have clarification on the Audi stuff, at the very least. Uh, this from motorsport.com. Audi has formally announced it will enter Formula 1 as a power unit manufacturer from 2026. Audi will develop its new power unit out of its Nürburgring site. Uh, which is operations being led by Adam Baker. There are already test branches in place for F1 engines, and plans are being put together to expand the personnel infrastructure of the Audi F1 project by the end of the year. Uh, it's said 
that it's in, in its announcement that it will decide on a partner team by the end of the year, but it's widely understood that it will work with Sauber. Sauber being the team that you probably know as Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo are essentially title sponsors for the Sauber team. So this does create another sort of um, wrinkle, I guess, when it comes to the future of, I don't know, Alfa Romeo in the sport or Alfa Romeo's association with Sauber. Um, So, and some of the wrinkles are here too. Motorsport.com reported earlier this week that a deal... um, uh, had been struck that would see Audi take a stake in the team and give it factory level backing. So at that stage, you have to think, okay, how could they possibly have a title sponsor with Alfa Romeo if Audi is essentially a part owner of the team? Um, Alfa Romeo has a long-term partnership in place with Sauber that is reviewed on an annual basis, but its CEO, Jean-Philippe Imparto, told motorsport.com that he was not blind to Audi's interests. Alfa Romeo has enjoyed title sponsorship rights at Sauber since 2018, but the team is powered by Ferrari engines. So it calls into the, a lot of questions what, what that relationship is going to be like. Um, perhaps we'll get clarification soon. Perhaps it'll come closer to the end of this season uh, or whenever they re-sign that thing. I'm not sure. But uh, Audi, not mm-hmm. really a team I associate with F1 for whatever reason. I know they're 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 not strangers. They're in basically to the world. every other yeah world racing sport. But it's funny uh, whenever I think of an well. Audi, I don't think about <laughs> racing. You know, what I mean? some you think about racing. Even Mercedes, it's weird that I think about racing with Mercedes cars. I don't I don't feel that way about them. But um, yeah, you're right. Prolific in the world of motorsport. And then the other one, I guess, a brand that a lot of people associate well, just, with just racing. To, sorry, just to close off um, the, the Sauber thing, This uh, a lot of people were pointing out that this is kind of how it worked back when they were BMW Sauber, which is not mm. when I was watching the sport. Um, but that was more of a factory team partnership. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the fact that, that Audi is looking ahead to, to 2026 when the, the new regulations come in, um, it, I guess bodes well for maybe the health of the sport. Uh, and, and yeah. certainly I guess the, the health of Sauber, I mean, this, this could go bad. You could get, you know, a, a McLaren Honda situation, um, <laughs> or it could be, you know, the, the injection of their racing pedigree, um, and their, um, you know, engine expertise, uh, with Sauber, a competent, but probably underfunded team. Um, could be could be a good match. On the other hand, Audi starting a an F1 engine, um, it, that's hard. <laughs> Making F1 engines yeah. is hard. So uh, we shall see. I'm excited. I, I yeah. wish it was an uh, I wish it was an 11th team. Um, but you know, I guess we'll take what we can get. Sauber. It's been fun to watch them in the Alfa Romeo era because they you know that was also i guess kind of a cash influx and they they have been doing better and better um but this will be uh i don't know just a, another weird wild card yeah in many ways like you said it's a it's a shift back to sort of um, business as usual that we had you know a decade or more ago there has been a lot of you know yellow flags getting waved about the lack of engine manufacturers uh, in the sport and the current situation at Sauber and Alpha is definitely reflective of that so um yeah I think you know it's a good thing I I, I'm not particularly you know I don't have a huge amount of affection for Alfa Romeo as a brand or a team necessarily um so it'll be interesting to see I guess how this whether this is something that slowly erodes or changes or whether or not we get an announcement um but yeah We'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and then I guess less certain to when it comes to uh, Porsche and its uh, apparent twenty twenty six uh, deal. So this one again from motorsport.com. Um, basically, Horner came in and said that there has been no decision made regarding Red Bull joining forces with Porsche for the twenty. 26 uh, F1 Parina program. Horner made it clear that Red Bull doesn't need Porsche to finance its Parina project, and if the deal doesn't happen, the new engine could simply run under the Red Bull name or that any other manufacturer willing to pay a badge uh, price for it. Meanwhile, Red Bull is pushing on with development of its bespoke 2026 power unit uh, and its new powertrain at its new powertrain division in Milton Keynes. Uh, the provisional plan is for Porsche to become a shareholder in the operation. 
and for the power unit to carry the Stuttgart manufacturer's name in what effect will be a marketing arrangement with only a small number of Porsche engineers eventually working at the Red Bull facility. So that that is not what I assumed was going on there and is definitely uh, sort of contextualizes, especially against what we're hearing from the Audi announcement, what, what that Porsche deal will be, which is, yeah, it sounds like Red Bull will create their own engine and uh porsche are effectively going to stick their badge on it and lend them some people to help um uh, and horner saying this look if it's not porsche you know we'll just put it back up on the listing back up on ebay and see who else comes uh (laughs) comes a knocking so yeah um it's sort of a less sexy deal i think both of these deals ultimately are sort of less interesting and sexy than we sort of dreamt they would be the sort of mm-hmm. possibility space when we heard about them both was very enticing and it was fun to sort of imagine what that might mean if we had more teams and who or who take over who um the audi stuff is a bit more you know there's, there's more sort of meat in the sandwich over there but uh the porsche one definitely feels a little bit more like just a marketing deal um we'll have to wait and see but uh yeah yeah and it's just i think it's especially weird because both of these audi and porsche are both owned by volkswagen um and uh this uh in this article from motorsport.com audi's chairman of the board marcus doisman uh was asked why they're doing it this way you know why split development why make an engine for one team and then badge an engine for the other right uh, and he said it was basically down to you know they're, they're different teams with completely different chassis and powertrains so it would be an enormous uh you know upset to the red bull team to force them to to you know make a a new engine um i could see this being part of like a 10-year plan you know uh get our engine you know up to get the porsche engine uh, or sorry the audi engine uh up to up to speed uh and then finally put it in the red bull um you know once it's good but who knows yeah or 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 just see how it shakes out give it a couple of years see which team and which um you know a relationship works and maybe down the line there's a way for them to combine them um if if the Porsche stuff is a marketing thing then you can also see how that's like a different world to the Audi announcement you know what i mean like one of them is is sort of like um part of their i don't know broader uh, plans for the racing team and the other one is is a is a bit more of a just we're spending some of our uh, resources on on getting our name out there. You know, I can see how in a large corporation those can be basically two different strategies that they're going for. Um, and hey, you know, diversify your your interests and maybe split the strategy. Yeah, it's F one baby. Uh, finally, here as you mentioned, Danny uh, Spa will be on the calendar next year as confirmed Hooray. by Formula One, which is great. Um, but as Motorsport.com points out. Uh, this could have been the the reason for this may have been because um, South Africa and China have become more uncertain. Um, mm. We had mentioned a few episodes ago that F1 was considering uh, returning to South Africa. Uh, it would be, you know, the only race on the continent of Africa. Yeah. Um, but that is uh, apparently... Uh, the talks have not progressed um and in fact may have been may be going backwards which is a bummer uh but it means that uh you know i guess spa had a a stronger position to say like hey we're here just uh just let us know yeah so they will be back on the calendar you know us you know us it rains here all the time you know us yeah um well speaking of continuing on the calendar danny what is happening where are we next Weekend. Yes, we're heading back to Zandvoort, uh, home of Max Verstappen, <laughs> as you will, as you will no doubt see um, in just a couple of days. Um, Zandvoort is a classic track, which, if you're new to F1, um, has only just returned after a, a fairly long hiatus. It first took racing in 1948, after that post-war racing boom, um, had its first Formula One race in 1952 and was a staple of the calendar for a good 30 years. Um, it's, uh, it has a famous scene in the Grand Prix movie, um, a lot of interesting uh, uh, shots of this place. It looks very different to a lot of F1 
tracks. Um, it had to wait for 36 years, though, until its eventual return in 2021. It had uh, been on the calendar for 2020, but obviously with the pandemic, it, it got uh, postponed. In terms of its track layout, it's a very funny uh, track. It's it's fast, it's old school, it's got banking, it's undulating, twisting, very technical, uh, high downforce required here. There's only one straight, so it's not, well, I guess there's a second straight kind of in the middle. It bends a little bit and it's not particularly long, so um, I'm not sure how much of a, an overtaking spot it necessarily is. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, I don't know... Um, it's an odd. It's it feels like a go kart track. I think yeah, is the it's easiest very narrow. Way to explain it, it is also narrow as well as the cars have gotten wider and the track hasn't. It's basically on a bunch of sand dunes. Is kind of the best way to explain it. Where that's why it kind of rises and falls and weaves and bobs. It's right on the uh, the coast of of the Netherlands, just uh, west of of Amsterdam, a little coastal town, kind of not unlike Sochi in, in its sort of uh, I don't know the the city that it's in, its surroundings. Um, 14 corners, 2.6 miles, 4.1 kilometers. Uh, the straight and uh, DRS zone that's there, there is also a DRS zone on that other little straight in between sectors two and three. But turn one is basically where the overtakes happen here. Um, it'll be interesting to see how these new red cars, how close they follow each other. But it's kind of a tricky track already to go fast on because the um, there's a lot of like blind corners and also blind I guess hills. If you you know what I mean, like there's the cars are lower than ever, and and you go over a lot of like cresting hills. So I have to imagine that with the limited amount of like visual um, input they have of where they're supposed to be turning or or uh, braking or whatever, um, if they're following as well, that might be more trouble than it's worth maybe um we'll have to see i i I don't know if they're able to follow through sector one maybe that other drs as uh you know mini straight sort of opens up an overtaking opportunity um maybe some of the bank curves will see them going even closer to each other as they line up for the start finish straight um we'll have to find out lots of sand and grass as well off off the track which really you know, like you were saying with the gravel we had, you know, with Bottas, for instance, that that was sort of the end of the race for him. And, you know, there's not much runoff here. So it sort of does create the psychology of just do it on turn one. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll have to we'll have to see. Um, you also have uh, a little bit of a piece of news here. I actually didn't pick up on this. Are they trialing DRS on the banking? Yes. In free That's practice cool. one, they're going to see how that goes. See if anyone spins out and flies into the crowd. Well, it's interesting. You know, the, the banking, by virtue of it being banked, it is grip-wise more like a straight. Yes, you're you right. Know, that's, uh, that's why, you know, NASCAR tracks are, are banked like that. It's, it's, it sort of simulates, you know, just driving in a straight line. Yeah. Um, so maybe it won't be as, as dangerous. To, you know, usually don't want to open DRS on a turn because... <laughs> Losing downforce means there's nothing to keep you on the track, and you'll just go straight. You'll just slide off. Uh, but banking, you know, could help. So that'll yeah. that'll be interesting. Um, yep, all right, that's well, downforce. Yeah, yeah. Let's take it to the weather. Uh, looks like the weather will be nice and warm. Seventy-five degrees Fahrenheit or twenty-four Celsius. Mm. Uh, with on quali- this is qualifying day, by the way, a thirty percent chance of precipitation. Ooh. Uh, that climbs on race day. Oh, really? Oh, yes. To about 50% right now. Mm, wow. Uh, with similar temperatures. So we That is shall interesting. See. That is chaotic. I'm, I'm, yeah, I can, uh, I can only imagine. Yeah, Zandvoort with rain sounds like a nightmare. Like when you go to the beach and it rains you know it just yeah. sucks it's just uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> i i think that could be yeah that could be wild i'm into that speaking of wild the shift f1 fantasy league rages on if you'd like to join <laughs> you can uh, use the link in the show notes but here is the podium from belgium we have uh third place from the uk morgan's team red bull with a rich energy chaser Mm. And then a tie for first. 
Wow. Between Jeremy's team, JG1 from America, and from the UK, Brett's team, McMurth with a mouth. Excuse me? McMurth with a mouth. I remember the McMurth with the mouths. They're from Clonmel. Great family. I don't, I don't get it. It's Irish because Mick. Irish okay, joke. Got it. Irish name. Got it. Yeah. Uh, but overall, a familiar podium here from Canada in third, Leo Speed. Leo Speed. Uh, in second place from America. Uh, by the way, Leo Speed is Michael's team. From America in second place, Andy's team. Now this is pod racing. <laughs> Uh, this capitalized just so i get the inflection right thank you Andy. this yes uh and in first james's team from america maximum f vert three. Oh boy wow that's that's some powerful dad joke energy oh yeah and then yeah. of course max and ver max whoa jeez yeah. it's just a yeah like a pun sandwich a pun broth yeah just floating around in there bobbing up and down you're big on sandwiches today, Danny. Dude, I'm always big on sandwiches. Look at me. Dude, I'm, sandwiches are just like... I was trying to get my kid into sandwiches. I was trying to be like, hey, make a sandwich. What would you like in a sandwich? Sandwiches is like a meal you can make in two minutes. You can put anything you want in it. Anything. There are no rules. You can put bread in a sandwich. Just make a Whoa. big bread sandwich. Crisp sandwich. Mm. What did she pick? Mm. She didn't want one. She wanted a banana. <laughs> hey, <laughs> banana sandwich. Put some peanut butter on there, you're good. Oh boy, tell me about it. You're right. Honey? I missed the beat there. I missed the beat there. Now you're yeah. just making a. Now you're just making like a big melange sandwich. Honey, peanut butter, banana, yeah. nuts, jam. <laughs> Why stop mm-hmm. there? Sure. Panda spread. We uh, we had grown up. We had a lot of uh, peanut butter and pickle sandwiches. Oh boy, really? Yeah. What was that like? Some, oh, it's, it's great. You should don't knock it till you try it. Yeah, I can. Classic stackers. You got to get those. What's a Velastic stacker? Velastic is a pickle manufacturer, and the stackers okay. are the thinly sliced ones. Oh, okay. So those you got are the best. Okay. With some Jif. Mmm. Mmm. Jif. Nothing better. Jif. Oh, Jif is peanut butter. Yeah, Jif in Europe is a. Uh, it, now it's called Sif, but it was a. It was a like a like a like a dishwashing. Uh, like um, I was about to say sauce, but I mean <laughs> um, um, liquid. <laughs> dishwashing liquid. Jif. Sif. Um, I wouldn't want to put that in a... That would be a bad time. Don't do that. No. Kids and their kids and their Sif sandwiches. Jif sandwich. I take it back. You can't put everything, anything in a sandwich. It needs to be food. Uh, well, if you'd like to show us your sandwiches, mm. uh, you can do so on Twitter, at ShiftF1 Podcast. I'm at Drew Scanlon. That is at Denny O'Dwyer. Rob Zachney is at Rob Zachney. That is us around the internet. Should we take it around the world, Danny? Let's race around the world. Formula 2 and Formula 3 will be supporting Formula 1 this weekend in Circuit Zandvoort. We've they got were the in, NASCAR uh, Spa too as well. Yeah. Yes, we've got the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Darlington Raceway. Darlington, am I right? Yeah. High five. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging uh yes the the race is in darlington and it's called the sport clips haircuts vfw help a hero 200 <laughs> god almighty <laughs> america was a mistake <laughs> uh the world rally cross championship is in latvia Ooh, talon yeah in riga it seems oh it's in riga sorry what am i saying estonia is talon riga is how dare I? Skonto yes. Riga, great football team. Love it. Uh, the uh, MotoGP championship is at Misano World Circuit Marco Simoncelli for the Gran Premio di San Marino e della Riviera di Rimini. Oh my God. <laughs> Excuse me. What yes. did you call me? How Italian is so much you. fun to speak. Don't know what I said, but it was fun. Uh, the uh, Motocross Grand Prix is in Turkey for the ooh. Bitsy Motocross Grand Prix of Turkey. What's Bitsy? I think it's a crypto thing. Oh, God. God, they're still... Wow, they're just like oh, yeah. death throws. They're just like punching punch the sky as they're drowning. I love it. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, we've got the IndyCar Grand Prix of Portland at the Portland International Raceway. The 1890s are alive in IndyCar. <laughs> nice. And we got NASCAR. NASCAR. Oh, my Nas- Darlington. Dig- think the artist Naz has ever been to a NASCAR race? I'm sure Probably. that happened. Yeah. I mean, Pitbull. Uh, I forgot to mention last week that uh, Pitbull owned the team, owns the team that Kimmy raced for. <laughs> oh and who who are we to deny such a, a heaven-made match? Oh, my gosh. I want to see I want to see the two of them in a buddy comedy. Well, you just might at the cookout Southern 500. Oh, my. Where is it? Where is it? It's in Chicago Darlington. or somewhere. Okay, no. <laughs> Which is in South Carolacky. <laughs> uh, and Formula One is Formula racing One. this weekend. Maybe you've heard of it. Things kick off Friday, September 2nd at free on free uh, for free practice one at 6.30 a.m. Eastern time on ESPNU, mm. followed by free practice two at 10 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Mm. Then Saturday, September 3rd, Free Practice 3 kicks off at 6 a.m. Eastern on ESPN2, followed by qualifying 9 a.m. on ESPN2. And Sunday, everyone, the race, September 4th at 9 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Racing. Yep. Get get it. Get the racing. Go get a race. Racing. Zandvoort. Dutch people. Reclaimed land. (laughs) Great English speaking egalitarian <laughs> clogs <laughs> <laughs> do you know they call uh slippers schlippers schlippers oh that's good yes. and they schlippers. call they call gloves hand shoes <laughs> that's that's just that's a lie is it do they call them hand shoes or hand handshua yep handshua oh my god if you're dutch if you're from the, the netherlands the lands of nether nether realm um email us your favorite uh uh words to uh <laughs> shift of one podcast at gmail.com we do have a triple header and we don't talk we don't do emails after post-race ones so um it will be a while but we do have a weird gap because of sochi yeah so we're gonna have like a whole bunch of fun email probably podcasts in there in the middle um, yeah should we should we commit to an email on the episode That'd be fun. Yeah, probably. Because we'll we have a post a race. No, we haven't. We haven't. We, yeah. Because we, we'll have a post race and then we'll have basically a gap week before we have the pre race. So, uh, yeah. I think. I think that's how it'll work. Okay. Um, yeah, let's do something weird. Yeah. Sounds good. Send them in. Shit have fun podcast at gmail.com. Send in your favorite sandwiches too. Yeah, or slash emails. Whatever works. That's right. Uh, all right. Well, um, final thoughts, Danny, ahead of. Zandvoort after Spa. I would usually be most excited in this. I would be I would be most excited about Monza. I would be then excited about Spa, uh, and then I would be Zandvoort. I think um, because but but if there's rain at Spa, it's always amazing. So I think I'm not I'm not like super uh, expecting a, a wild race at Zandvoort. Um, I think Verstappen should win it fairly handily, um, but. Uh, who knows? There's all. That's the thing about F1. You never quite know. We might we might have an absolute rager. And more often than not, when I say I'm I'm not thinking this race is going to be amazing, I'm going in with like, you know, tepid enthusiasm. You know, I'm I'm not I'm overcooking it. I'm I'm you know we'll see how it goes. Um, oftentimes when I say that we have we have blazers, but um, you know, but let's see. I'll I'll take it after the break. I you know three races back to back is pretty good. Yeah. I don't have a lot of, I don't have high expectations for, for Zandvoort. No, and, uh, I and, guess and I guess, and, and how are you feeling with the season? Because like, that's the other thing is that we came back from the break and you're expecting to see if there's going to be any changes, if there's going to be any momentum shifts. And they're super or not. Ex- yeah, except uh, for Mercedes really eat, eating this last weekend. Yeah, nothing at the top for sure. Um, yeah, I I think it's now a matter of coming to, to coming to accept that Verstappen's going to run away with this and then once that happens then I can start to enjoy the other battles but right. I'm not there yet do you know what I mean yeah I'm I'm very interested now in the Mercedes Ferrari battle yeah um because that seems to be where Ferrari's fight is trending shall we say um yeah and then yeah 
the midfield. I guess Alpine and McLaren will continue to to duke it out, but that that's that gap's yeah. starting starting to look insurmountable as well. So, and the driver market is probably the most interesting thing going right now. So, uh, very curious to see how all of that shapes up. Yeah. Uh, but all right. If you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash Shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow. Mm-hmm.